Today, I wanted to bring on someone to help us reflect and refocus on what is important in our profession. As we are being challenged each day, it is so vital that we discover our why. Why do we work with students and why do we lead in education? This week's guest, Barbara Bray, shares how we can use our creativity, passion, and talents to revolutionize our profession. In this episode, we discuss growing as a leader through stories, redefining virtual learning, coaching through observation and listening, and her awesome book, Define Your Why. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Barbara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Joshua. I've just been wanting to be on your podcast, and I wanted you on mine. This is going to be fun. <laughs> it's it's so much fun, and um, I have so much respect for you and all of the work that you've been doing and for so many years, and you are making such an impact throughout the country and honestly around the world. So before we dive into all of those different things, I would love to hear about your educational journey. Well, <laughs> it's a real roundabout way. How much time do you want me to start? <laughs> for you, Barbara, as much as you'd like. Oh, you're so fun. Well, I started out as a dental hygienist. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole different lead. And, and I got and I wrote that in my book to find your why. I basically went into it because the counselor said, you know, you'd be good in this. They just opened a program and you should try it. And I'm thinking, okay. And I got <laughs> in and they had 18 spots. And when you're in, you can't leave yeah. because they have to keep the chair filled. Yep. And I realized, what am I doing here? You know, that kind of thing. Sure. But I loved it. And it was a great profession to have uh, raising kids mm -hmm. and working part time. And uh, I started teaching dental hygiene. And uh, I started realizing, hmm, I kind of like that. Right. <laughs> so I taught at the local college four years. In the meantime, I had kids and started working in the schools and realized, hmm. I think I should do something about that. So I first started with an adult, you know, learning degree and mm -hmm. started teaching gate and started working with uh, even resource teachers. And then I'm pretty old. I've been around when the computer just started. And when sure. I saw the first computer, I had to take it apart and put it back together again. I mean, like, how does this work? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my family's looking at me going, is there something wrong with mom? <laughs> 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 Look at her. She's got all these motherboards and all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, next thing I just fell in love with computers. Mm -hmm. So I went back to school and not only got my degree in teaching and I also wanted to learn more about technology. And so I got into that field mm -hmm. and uh, the rest is history. It's a, I mean, I can go on and on, but that's kind of the beginning of my journey. Sure. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because what you're doing now is far different than where you started. Yeah, uh, I was working in Oakland Unified mm -hmm. and they had me, They, I had coaches at the time yep. and they wanted us to train teachers. And this is before, you know, Schoology and all those other, they wanted us to train teachers to make their own websites with Dreamweaver. Hmm. And I'm like, are you nuts? <laughs> you know, I tried to be really, you know, nice about it. And we had this big grant that I was part of, and it was four, eight, and nine, twelve. We had two different grants, mm -hmm. and uh, so we trained all these teachers. And they, the night before they had the FTP, they all started crying hmm. on my doorstep, like I don't know, you know, like that. And I'm like, so I go, this isn't going to work. So I went back to the district and said, we need to come find something 
where they can just put it in a field. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we don't have anything. So I made it. Wow. <laughs> I hired a team and it's called my e-coach and I still have it today. It's, uh, you know, it's older, but it, I have 20,000 people using it, so sure. it's not bad. No, I would say and, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of neat. They Some love it because it's really easy. They can make a website. They can make a blog. They can make a survey. They can do all that kind of stuff. That's kind of where I started, mm -hmm. and I coined the term making learning personal in 2002. That was the beginning of me seeing that every teacher, because I was doing professional development, I was writing a column for Q, Computer Using Educators yep. in California. What I saw is this one-size-fits-all PD just wasn't working. And so I built it on a coaching platform and taught coaches how they could support teachers. And that's how that got started. And I did a lot of training in coaching, uh, cognitive coaching, mentoring, mm -hmm. and building those kinds of programs. Well, Barbara, I want to talk about that because so many of my listeners are aspiring leaders or leaders in a current position that are trying to build up other people on their campus or in their district. And so what are some things that you can provide as far as a coaching model or some aspects of coaching for them to be successful in, in the growth of their teachers and aspiring leaders? That's only a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to that. One of the things that I found is that you really need to develop a relationship as a coach with a coachee, you know, mm -hmm. someone you're coaching yep. and you need to really listen. But as a teacher, it's really hard to sometimes not jump in and try to help, you know, and do it for them. Sure. And that's how I was I, in the beginning before when I was training, I did a lot on technology. I made how-to guides. I did a, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, geez, what are they doing? Why can't they figure this out? What's going on? So I'm going to give an example. Sure. So I was working in a high school and they wanted all the teachers to use technology. And this one art teacher just resisted. He did not want to use technology at all. Mm -hmm. He was a big man, big hands. And I said, you know, let me just see how you use technology. And at that time they had, they were using the mice and his hands were so big, he couldn't make it work. And I just observed. And then I said, you know, it looks like that's really difficult for you, you know, to, to move the mouse. And he goes, I hate that thing. I hate it. <laughs> so I talked the administrator to get him a Wacom tablet yep. to try it at that time, you know. And what I found is it's really hard to coach if you don't have enough time to observe, if you don't have enough time to really listen and then be able to just sit back and really reflect on what you're seeing mm -hmm. and see if that's the right thing that's the problem. No, I think that's so important because a lot of times we just go in and we try and fix it without actually identifying what the problem is. And I love the fact that you just observed and how so many times we're, we're busy and we just want to get it done and move on to the next thing instead of actually just sitting, listening and, and observing. So I absolutely love that story. And I think it's so important this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to talk about now because obviously we are teaching and learning in a very different way because of the pandemic and um, the remote and virtual learning or even a hybrid uh, model that's being 
implemented throughout the, the country, really. So what are some ways that teachers can be successful in a remote learning setting? Don't worry about being successful. I, I think you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things I'm doing. I'm working with the di different groups right now around the world. Mm -hmm. This is worldwide pandemic, by the way. Yep. It's a natural disaster. It's a world. And a lot of people, they think they could take what they do face to face and do it online. It doesn't work. And you can't do everything. And, and here's what I find out is because I am a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. Most teachers are. Yeah. And they don't want to look foolish in front of their kids. And so what I find is, is really sitting down and looking at what's real. What are the things that you want to really get across? And what happens is they do independent, they do group work, and they're doing the independent work while they have everyone in front of them. And the parents don't like if you send it home. So I'm saying we need to simplify everything down and figure out what's another way we can approach this where it could even be integrated with multiple subjects so we can do collaboration online when we have you face-to-face. -face. Yes. And we, and we can have these really wonderful discussions and it could be little ones. I mean, you could talk about, you know, ladybugs. I, mean, I just tell you what I just found is a chrysalis for butterfly and and wouldn't that be cool just to say, look what I just found and I'm going to put it up and I'm going to just something. It's a teachable moment. Everything that happens can be a teachable moment. Yes, I can agree more because we try <laughs> and put everything in a box, right? I mean, it's like this is science and this is math and this is English. And we don't actually merge the things and like you say, collaborate between all the subjects. And like you just brought up the ladybug or a butterfly. I mean, how many different subjects can be attached to just that one subject? Well, I mean, I'm seeing us going back to the old model more and more. And when I was working long ago, before No Child Left Behind, yes. we were very creative. We got to, you know, experiment and, and we, we had kids really curious. And on my podcast, I've, I've been very fortunate to have some wonderful people. And yes. one's Ramsey Muslim, who is a chemistry teacher who talked about sparking curiosity by having an information gap with chemistry teachers. A lot of times we do the experiment, we show them the results and then the, now you recreate it. And they're like, mm, you know, do I have to do that? Yeah. He now just says, what if you took this chemical and this chemical, what do you think would happen? And what would you do? Why do you think we have it? And, you know, he's giving, sparking that curiosity. Yep. Well, why can't we do that with any age? Mm -hmm. What if you could go back and talk to someone in, in history? What would you say? Why would you want to talk to them about that? I mean, just imagine if you could even debate with somebody from, I was a social studies and language arts teacher, and I, sure. was, I got in trouble a lot because <laughs> I made a lot of noise and you know some of the teachers didn't like that. And, and most of the kids were a title one and I loved it. I loved it so much because they wanted to learn. They were hungry for it. Mm -hmm. And if we just could let go. And then when we had to go back to prescriptive, I can't say the word. Anyway, um, <laughs> I know you know what going. I mean? You know, where I'm going. It's just, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That's where, why I had to look at a different direction. And now I feel sorry for teachers that are given the curriculum 
and still told in a remote environment to meet the same standards. I mean, come on, administrators, let's be real. I think what I'd like them to do is like the administrators to visit every classroom by going into the classroom that's remote and try to do the work with the teachers. I love administrators that go into the classroom and actually get down and dirty with the kids and try to find what's going on. Why can't they do that in the remote world? It's a great question. And they should, honestly, because, I mean, that's just as much of a classroom as face-to-face. And we need to be, you know, providing assistance to our teachers in that environment also. So um, that's very, very true. So I want to talk about your journey because you've gone from so many different professions and you said before you're a perfectionist. And so I'm (laughs) assuming that at some point you have established some failure during your journey. So at one point, did you realize like, I'm not perfect and I'm going to give myself some grace? Um, Today. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing. Yeah. No, no, no. I've done many times because I'll just give you an example. I'm doing this work with a school in another country and we were planning to talk, I thought today, that's why I moved the time. It was actually yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I could do it a little later. And they were very gracious and then we did it. But I just have to tell you, I am making so many mistakes now because of this pandemic. It's like, And I'm really organized and I'm still making all these mistakes. Mm -hmm. We need to have embrace grace. We need to give everyone, you know, like to say, Hey, okay, just be, you know, share that you made mistakes and realize that you're vulnerable because you know what, the kids are going to make mistakes and they need to know that you're human. It's that putting teachers up on a, you know, like these experts, Mm -hmm. it's not fair for teachers. And that's the problem with teachers tend to be feel, you know, they tend to feel completely responsible and accountable for the learning. And that's where personalized learning comes in. This is how Alan November said this, who really owns the learning? If you're doing all the work, they're not really learning. And, you know, they're just going to do the job to get through school and get the grade. And we got to stop that because the world is different. No one's going to hire anyone that does that. No. No, it's not about compliance. It's about building a learner and having them be able to seek out that information. And that's so very true. And I think that's a perfect segue to your book, which is Define Your Why. And so for the listeners who haven't read that book yet, will you just give a quick synopsis? Well, real quick is I learned about stories through my podcast and realized that everybody struggled and those struggles helped them define who they were through quotes and through these stories, you know, I started writing them down. I start, and then when I would write them and put them up on my website, I said, you know, this, my story is a good story because I have some good and bad things in there. And, um, but some of these other stories, so I have 26 stories from other people hmm. who helped you, many, you know, really right. wonderful people. What I found is that that helped me define my why. So the subtitle is own your story so you can live and learn on purpose. And I also was doing workshops at South by Southwest, not too far from you. Yeah. <laughs> so on define your why for the last three years. And I was supposed to be there this year. And they even were so excited. They gave me workshops and mentoring and bought my book and blah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, all went. <laughs> but it all went away. But you know, it's, 
it really touched some people and they felt that it really helped them. But then when the pandemic happened, that's when I said, you know, we may have thought that was our why. Maybe we have to redefine what it means now when we're wearing masks, we're being, staying home, we're can't see family or, you know, there's all these things that are impacting us. We can't hug the kids. I, I'm a hugger and most teachers are. And it's so I think we need to talk about it because right now you're just supposed to teach yeah. and you're human. I, some people are quitting and really good people that are, yeah. you know, and we need you. <laughs> And so that's why I really feel it's important to have the opportunity to to look at where you are now and how are you handling or managing through this Mm -hmm. and coping. But what kinds of things do you need to help you at this time? So important. It's funny you said that about hugging (laughs) because a coworker gave me a donut for breakfast and I was so excited about it. I hugged her just naturally. And then I apologized because I felt so bad for doing it in a pandemic. And of course, yeah. she was like, she didn't care. She was very accepting of it. And I felt bad. But um, I think it's funny because that's that's so much what we're about in education is we're mm-hmm. there for the kids and for the relationships. And this has totally put everything flipped upside down. And we're just trying to rediscover what our purpose and um, what those relationships now look like. What's happened is some people are taking this time to do some things they've never done before because now they have the time. Yeah. Some teachers see t- schools that are smart aren't just doing six hours in front of doing Zoom yep. every day because that's hard. Very. For one thing, staring at a screen and then they even say it's Zoom fatigue because sometimes some people don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. so they're out of sync and psychologists are now saying that if it's out of sync, you're trying to put it in sync, which is doing something to your brain. And also, kids, they they get bored. Yeah. They need really. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually working on a, I'm doing something for ISTE with some good friends. I'm going to tell everyone because maybe they'll come to it. Please. I'm doing a, um, at the end, I'm putting together a flash mob dance. Nice. <laughs> I used to be, that's another thing. I was a dancer and I used to be a choreographer. Dang, Barbara. You just do yeah, it all. It's in my book. I actually have a picture of me on the Vikettes. That's so cool. Yeah, that was fun. But I was a choreographer, <laughs> everything. And I thought, you know, if I could just teach some really simple moves. So I'm going to be putting them on a video and it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> you know, like that. And if you want to stand up, this is what it looks like. If you want to sit down, this is like, and then, you know, if you have a hundred people, I just can't even imagine. But last year we did this and joy, curiosity and play. Yeah. How do you bring it into the classroom? We had a, a room with a hundred people, 10 tables, big room. And so we had everyone at the table work together in a team and make Rube Goldberg machines out of their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I was laughing so hard. Um, it was Michael Muhammad, Carrie Gallagher and myself. And but at all the videos, some of them were doing cartwheels. <laughs> some- <laughs> and I just love teachers. Yeah. This- and that's what we should do. We should celebrate us even the times where I said, I made a mistake and guess what I did with it? Look at how I did it and go, wow, let's celebrate that. Same with the kids. Wouldn't that be fun? So much fun. And you're right. Educators are amazing folks and they definitely need to be celebrated right now. 
Barbara, I want to transition to another thing that you've actually mentioned a couple of times and I love is your podcast. And I absolutely <laughs> enjoy so much listening to other podcasters tell about their origin story and how they became a podcaster. So I'd love to hear your story. I'm a connector. Okay. And I would go to ISTE and someone would start talking to me and I go, oh, do you know this librarian? You're a librarian. And I start talking to him. Next thing, we're sitting at coffee and they're telling me the story. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, there's all these people telling me their story and people wanted me on theirs. And I said, you know, they're not doing it the way I want to do it. I'll just tell you what Jimmy Cass has said to me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to him and I go, so Jimmy, tell me a little bit about your life. And he said, yeah, well, I, I was uh, in Quantico going to be an FBI agent. And I go, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did I just hear it right? And so he goes, you know, Barbara, you're just like Barbara Walters. You got that out of me. I wasn't going to even say it. And I thought when I would sit down with people at the conference or start talking to them, because we build a relationship in the beginning, the, the earlier ones, not as good. I'm getting better like what you're doing, you're, you're prompting me to get me to go a little deeper. And you're really good at this, Josh. You're really good. It's not easy. I have been on some where it's not about me. Hmm. And there wasn't even a link back to my website. And I thought, you know, I really want to show that person off. So we're, we make a, a blog post together. And now we're doing I'm doing reflections. So I've added those. Those are a little different. Sure. They're not about the person. They're about a topic. And I couldn't agree with you more, Barbara. That's that's the whole reason I've created my podcast too, is to uplift all these amazing people and to share their story. Because for me, everyone's a leader, you know, and there's so many times people say, oh, I'm just a, and then fill in the blank, right? And so often it's just, (laughs) I'm just a teacher. I'm just like, no, you're so important, right? And so I want to uplift, you know, everyone that's on this podcast and and show you off. So Barbara, I, I'm so appreciative of you being on the podcast and you have so many resources, you know, on your website, which will be in the show notes. But then also I love talking about free resources and how people can grow. And you also have this wonderful Twitter chat. So will you just share um, what that chat's all about? Okay. In 2017, said I wanted to start my own because I was doing a personalized learning chat, yep. Peter chat. And, I, and then uh, I was with Kathleen McClaskey. We mm-hmm. were doing uh, personalized learning together and we decided I wanted to do more on stories. She wanted to go in a different direction. So we did, but Peter and chat, we weren't going to do anymore. So I said, I'm going to take it over and do rethink underscore learning. And that's kind of how it started. And it's all about uh, getting a guest host and looking at a topic. And we do it every other Monday for you. It's at 6 p.m. It's 4 p.m. for me on the West Coast. Yeah. And so that's every other Monday. You definitely need to check out that Twitter chat because it is so many amazing topics. And um, I love your different guests that you have on also. Um, before we end our conversation, I just want to ask you, and I ask all my guests this, is for our aspiring leaders, if they don't have a position of leadership, but they want to grow, what are some things that, that they can do to enhance their leadership journey? Connect. Connect to leaders, connect online, join, there's print lead chat, which is a principal chat. If you really want to be a principal or you want to figure out another way, there's leadership, all different types of leadership, Twitter chats, but figure out a way to connect to other leaders and follow their journey. Books, read some wonderful books. There's so many. 
trying to think Brad Gustafson has one on leadership oh, yeah. and Jimmy Cassis, I just mentioned, and then uh, Tom Murray. And I, there's one that I just, I, I write forwards and do oh, yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Why not? You know? <laughs> and then I also uh, do a lot of reviews and I just re reviewed Emily Paschal's book, Multiply yep. Excellence. And uh, that's another one for a leader. She was. Yeah. She's wonderful. She's, She's wonderful. Yeah. And so people, here's the thing. Everybody has a book in them. Everybody does. And so I'm doing, I don't have anything else to do, right? I like to <laughs> help people get their books published, but get it to the right publisher. I also sure. like to give them ideas to see if they're going in the right way. So I have my good, good friend is Eileen Winokur, who I met her in 2017 by going over and sitting at a table because she was alone and we've become best friends. It's like wonderful. And she lives in Kuwait. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. And she does sense. She's a wonderful podcaster. It's journey to belonging. Just to let you know, she'll yeah. be another one on your show. Awesome. What I've learned is that if you get to know people, you really get to know them. Even the, it's the teacher next door, or if I know teachers, if you can co-teach, that's another thing. Yeah boy, you find out some really cool things about people and then you become really good friends. And then the next thing you say, you know, I think I'm going to start a podcast and Hans Apple yeah. and he started as well, he didn't, but the kids did. And Jennifer, his wife, they have award-winning culture podcast that yeah. the kids do. And you see, I think all of us can do this. The problem is, is, is when you say you're just a teacher, you don't feel you have confidence you need someone to be your champion. And that's, I mean, I, I'm not going to be a champion, but I like to help nudge a little. Sure. Like, you know, you really have a story here and I try to do that. And so like Nick, Nicole Biscotti is, she's just amazing. Her book's going to come out. It's all, she and her son are writing it about ADHD. Oh, wow. Amazing. But she wasn't sure if she wanted to write that or something else. I'm like, I think that would be a great book if your son wants to do it with you. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, we need to help each other. Yeah. That's especially now. Mm -hmm. Some people are just can't even get out of bed. Yeah. No, it's so mm. true. So Barbara, you know, I lied. I, I said that was gonna be the last question, but I just love talking <laughs> to you so much. So I want to know when you started to find your voice, you know, did someone champion for you to uplift you and and say, you know what, Barbara, what you're saying is important and other people need to hear it. Hmm. When I started doing, you know, my own presentations way before people would come up to me and say, you know, that was really inspiring. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, it's like I didn't think I was really reaching anyone. I mean, I've flopped many times. Sure. What I got was this was before personalized learning, really. It's when I used to work in Oakland and some of the teachers would just say, can we have a cup of coffee and just talk? And they said, you know, I, I really like the way you're talking to me. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that carried it forward. I connected a lot of people. Yep. And then when I started thinking about doing the podcast, everyone said, yes, mm -hmm. it was like, and now I got people I have to go, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have we like December, you know, like yeah. that. But it's like, I don't know. And then my son is a vocal coach. Mm -hmm. He teaches theater, which is not easy right now. No. But he worked with me on listening skills because he ta taught that. 
and the first time I actually did one, a workshop using those techniques, it really changed the person I was working with. It, it, it was like, I really heard them and they heard that I heard them. Sure. And so now I'm trying to do that. Even like when you're talking to me and you, before I would listen to you with the idea of what I'm going to say. Now I really listen mm-hmm. and try to be able to come up with something. I mean, I, it's a listening is, is really important. Communicating and connecting those relationships really matter. And that's why I, I really, I think, like I said, it was long ago. But each time I do it, I want to do more. Barbara, you talked about connection, and I really want people to connect with you. So how may they do that on social media? I'm bbray, B-B-R-A-Y 27 on Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And let's see, my website is barbarabray.net. And it's Barbara, B-R-A-Y dot net. I get a lot of people writing EY and then I, they can't get it to me and they wonder why I didn't get back. I'm on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Barbara Bray. I'm on Facebook. I'm on a lot of things on Boxer. It's a little different. But if you go to barbarabray.net, I have lots of resources there for you. Mm-hmm. I have the podcast. I have the reflections. I have links to a lot of things. Yeah. But I also have my contact information. So for the listeners, make sure you're checking out everything Barbara's doing. I think the website is probably the best place to go because there's so many resources and you can find every way to connect with her. Barbara, it is always a pleasure to connect with you, to read or listen to you on your podcast. You are doing some phenomenal things and I just am so appreciative of your time this evening. Oh, thank you, Joshua. This is... I felt like we were having coffee together virtually and it's, <laughs> it was, you're like a talk show host. It's really nice. I just felt so comfortable. Thank you. Thank you.